0: Um, First Peter is where we'll start tonight. We're just gonna—I kind of have just a few principles I want to talk about, and then um, we might open it up to some questions and uh, maybe a discussion. I say might because uh, this is a topic that, I, though I'm passionate about, I'm not an expert. And uh, as we've been looking at the last several weeks, we've gone over the uh, the Bill of Rights and the Bible and. Uh, and uh, the principles that were drawn from Scripture, which, la- which led our founders to drafting the Constitution the way they did. And uh, oh, by the way, have you guys found it helpful at all? Anybody been blessed by it? A few people? Alright. <laughs> a few people willing to raise their hands. Um, I know I've enjoyed it as I've dug in a little bit, and uh, you know, these weren't just some neat ideas. The, you know, they did kind of lean on um, some philosophers of the ages and things, but everything was coming back really to Scripture. What a, what, it, what did the Bible say? And that was quoted and cited more times, many, more, many times over, more than, uh, than all the other um, uh, historical um, uh, references and so forth. But I want to talk, and it's kind of interesting, too, the context of what's going on right now. I was planning, really early in the year, I was planning that around 4th of July I was going to start a series on this as we build up an election year and, and things, and I was not anticipating some of the things that were going to be going on. With uh, with the COVID-19, with uh, with some of these things, and, and it's really interesting when you see different leadership uh, that really have been singling out and attacking churches. You see other places that says says, well, we get, here's some cautions we have for you, but really it's on you, which is much of what's taking place here in Alaska, and um, and uh, you know, and so, some principles to look at with that. So, First Peter uh, chapter two. Let me get in the right chapter here. And uh, let's see, we'll start in verse 15. Verse Peter 2. That's right, verse Peter 2 and verse number uh, 15. For so is the will of God. By the way, that statement should get our attention, right? I'm about to find out a part of God's will. All right. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. How do we put to silence the ignorance of foolish men? Well-doing, okay? And, uh, and I think we can look at that and say we're living out biblical principle. We're living out biblical character and well-doing. Verse 16, as free. How many of you in here are free this evening? Thank the Lord for my freedom. We talked about last week, Paul, when he was addressing um, uh, uh, the government, really, he was saying, I was freeborn. And, uh, and, you know, that's a concept we take for granted a little bit. How in America, we're all freeborn. Praise the Lord for that. As, uh, as free, not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. And uh, it's interesting here. He talks about freedom and liberty. And in the same context, he's saying honor the king. Now, we don't have a king in America, but we do have, uh, we do have a government. We can put in there government. We can put in uh, those things. Uh, I, I would say president, but I'd say government as a whole kind of fits that. We don't have the kind of a monarchy or a dictatorship type thing. But, um, but to look at that, and by the way, when you put it in its context, we think of first century Rome uh, and, uh, and Jewish believers in particular, I would say they had very limited freedoms and uh, much less than what we have today. And yet we looked at the example last week of the Apostle Paul. He, he l- used his, uh, his freedoms. He used his rights. He appealed to those. He said, wait a minute, I'm a Roman citizen. I have certain rights that you guys have now violated. And, uh, and by the way, the Constitution and Bill of Rights do not give us any freedoms. Do you understand that? It recognizes freedoms that are true to all people. If someone is in a uh, society that does not have freedoms, they still have freedoms. These are inalienable rights. They are, are not freedoms. They still have rights. They're not being recognized by their government, you see. And, uh, and so with that, they're, they're under oppression. So with this, he says, um, he says uh, uh, as free, not using your liberty as a cloak of maliciousness. That's an interesting way of saying it, a cloak of maliciousness. Uh, using your liberty to cause harm, using your liberty to, to oppress others, you see? Uh, what we're seeing, you know, it's funny how, how, how people are trying to, uh, cloak is a good word actually, they're trying to cloak the riots by calling them peaceful protests. You see, they're mostly peaceful protests, There's are just a few, you know, when, uh, I, I like the guy early on when he was standing, uh, there was a building that was burning behind him, and he says, you know, we don't really see anything wrong here. You know, there's no riots going on here. <laughs> and it's like, the building is burning behind you. You know, at least put like a green screen so you can have a nice background or something. But, um, but as you look at this, I want to I talk about some definitions of liberty. All right. And uh, we're not going to be as... Um, um, what's the word, as academic tonight as I've been during this series, but I do wanna kinda of go here. And I'm gonna go back to 1828, Noah Webster. Because this was the mindset probably closest to where our founders were in the late 1700s when they drafted it. And, uh, and this was, you remember we, as we've been talking about, this is kind of a progressive understanding over the years, over the centuries, to come to this idea and these concepts of liberty and, uh, and uh, government by law and those kinds of things. We looked at the, the Romans, we looked at some of those things as we kind of built up to where we were at at the time of our founding. But, uh, but as we look at this, liberty, um, Noah Webster, and by the way, one thing I like about Noah Webster's 1828 is that everything is kind of with a biblical concept, kind of a biblical context, all right? And uh, by the way, it's a good, uh, good dictionary to pull out when you're studying your Bible, if you're wondering what words are and things like that. But... But um, first, uh, first definition I want to look at is uh, of liberty is freedom from restraint in a general sense and applicable to the body or the will or mind. And uh, it's interesting, uh, applicable to the body, the will, or the mind, right? If I have a desire but can't fulfill it, then I'm not free in that area, you see? The body is at liberty when not confined. The will... Or the mind is at liberty when not checked or controlled. A, man's, a, man, a man enjoys liberty when not physical. Uh, excuse me. When no physical force operates to restrain his actions or volitions. Uh, the volition is his will. His his. Uh, uh, and by the way, this is this is kind of some of the concepts, right? We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, and uh, and are endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights. Among right, he talks about life liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's where we talk about, will and volition. Okay, it, it kind of falls in there. By the way, how did do I do? do? A little better than, uh, than Joe Biden did the other day, right? <laughs> you know, the thing. Uh, uh, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. And so, uh, uh, freedom from restraint. Uh, natural liberty is, a, is the next definition of natural liberty, and it consists of the power uh, in, in the power, excuse me, of, act, of acting as one thinks fit. So me, th- uh, me acting in the, in, the, in the mindset of what I think is right, what I think is proper, without any restraint or control, except from the laws of nature. So in other words, uh, I want to go outside. Here, here's, here's a restraint from the law of nature. I want to go outside, but I have the flu, and if I get up, I'm going to... <laughs> okay, uh, what's happening? Nature has restricted me, all right? But, but beyond that, you know, so, so we're talking about uh, natural liberty. Beyond that, I have a natural liberty to move. We talked about this by virtue of creation. We have, these, we have freedoms uh, uh, as, as we're made in the image of God and so forth. We do not have, God did not give man dominion over other men. He gave man dominion over the creation, all right? Apart from man. Uh, man is at the top, if you would, of God's creation. From there, we get some of these concepts of these rights. Um, so, natural liberty. It, it is a state of exemption from the control of others and from positive laws and institutions of social life. The liberty is uh, abridged by the establishment of government. And, 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 uh, next, let's look at so that's natural liberty. Let's look at civil liberty. It's the liberty of men... In a state or society or natural liberty, so far only abridged and restrained as is necessary and expedient for the safety and interest of society, state, or nation. A restraint of natural liberty, not necessary uh, or expedient for the public, is tyranny or oppression. This is in the definition of it. Um, civil liberty is an exemption from the arbitrary will of others with exemption. Uh, uh, which exemption is secured by established laws, which restrain every man from injuring or controlling another. Hence, the restraints of law are essential to civil liberty. So what it's saying is in civil liberty, we're free from restraint within a society, except what is expedient for the safety of others. What is that? That's when someone gets arrested for breaking the law. All right. Uh, And we talked about that, right? With due process and all those... uh, the, really the third, was it third through the eighth amendments, the the the, the exceptions that are in there when they can be broken. Um, and so when someone violates a law, for at least for a time, they have to be restrained and, and due process has to take place. And so in that time when you're in handcuffs, guess what? You don't have liberty, <laughs> you don't, by its very nature. And, uh, and we have to understand these exemptions, by the way. We have to understand why. And in order to have really civil freedom, we, it can't be done with anarchy. You can't see this accomplished, uh, for example, with uh, that uh, that Chaz experiment, right? When uh, that kind of fell apart, was that in uh, was Washington, Oregon, Seattle? Yeah, in Seattle, and uh, they thought we're gonna we're gonna you know take care of ourselves, and you know it sounds good, sounds wonderful, and uh, you know until people start dying, okay, and. Um, and at which point, you know, because of just, because of just human, um, uh, you know, these natural rights, because, because of these things, at some point we've got to step in. Just like we would when there are uh, human rights violations around the world. At some point, we say enough's enough, and even our own country will step in and say this is not okay. Genocide is not okay, you know, and, and that's the extreme of it. At one point, uh, this is just human nature, right? Uh, groups will rise up against groups. And dominate and those kinds of things. we've seen it all throughout history, and so, so this is a part of civil government, civil liberty. Uh, political liberty is sometimes used as, as synonymous with civil liberty, but in a more properly designated uh, designates the liberty of a nation, the freedom of a nation or state from all unjust uh, uh, abridgments of its rights and uh, an independence of another nation. Hence, we often speak of the political liberties of Europe or the nations of Europe. And so political liberty is, is it builds off of civil liberty, but it's basically saying another country is not, is not ruling over you. And by the way, this is what makes some of us quite nervous about the UN and the way that operates, um, because it starts, it starts kind of flirting that direction. And then the last one I look at is religious liberty. Religious liberty is the free right of adopting and enjoying opinions of religious subjects and of worshiping the supreme being according to the dictates of conscience without external control. And really, that's, of all those, that is the one that sparked America. That is the one that got things started. Get that kid under control. (laughs) That's the one that, that, you know, religious liberty was really what sparked the others, and and you know, as I was looking back and kind of considering, we talked a little bit about that, right? Those early days uh, before our official founding, uh, when they had uh, basically the Congregationalist churches, and they had the, really the state churches, those that were preaching the gospel without a license, and, and those that were not baptizing babies and a lot of those issues, were there, you know they were getting publicly flogged, they were getting kicked out of, out of uh, society. All these things were going on, and even people that were not Baptists, for example. Uh, were sympathetic with that. They said, this is not right. You know, these guys are just trying to worship God as they see fit, as they see, read their Bible, and, and though it may be different from us, you know, people like, uh, uh, people like uh, uh, Patrick Henry stood up and said, this isn't right. Several others had a huge problem with it. George Washington had a huge problem with it. George Mason, these guys, they had problems with the way things were going, and so what it did was it pushed them to a decision. That's why I say you know, as we we're talking about the riots, as we're talking about some of these extreme things, what it's going to do, here's the blessing in it, here's the silver lining, though it's difficult as we go through it, it's going to cause people to say, enough's enough. We don't agree with that. Right? And that's why, you know, quite frankly, as, uh, as uh, the left gets so far left, it's causing people to say, whoa, that doesn't represent me. You see? And they're kind of going, uh, I don't quite agree with that, but I agree with that more than I agree with this. Okay? And, uh, and that's kind of what I think we're seeing happen today. And so, so just like in the early days of America, it really was about religious freedom. By the way, why did the pilgrims set sail to America? Really, what was the motivation? Religious liberty, right? And they get here and they, they through blood, sweat, and tears and a lot of death, they created a life. Others across the pond were saying, "Wait a minute, we want to go do that too." And they get the king's endorsement. Let's go over there. And what they start doing? They just start doing exactly what's going on over there in England and persecuting here in America. You see, and uh, and and you know, so got to this place. So, and I know I'm reviewing a little bit, but so so guys like Roger Williams and some of these early uh, pioneers of religious liberty, they were, they were kicked out of their communities. They went to places like Providence, Rhode Island, and established uh, really the first religious liberty community in the in the framing of the Constitution of Rhode Island, and and um, you know making that you know their own colony there. They uh, they were first debating should we make this a Baptist colony since Baptists weren't welcome anywhere else, and they thought no, we want a religious liberty uh, colony, and they were the real champions of that. So in other words. Blake, I could disagree with your view of God and your practice of religion, and that's okay. And we can live in harmony. By the way, did you know to tolerate something, you have to disagree? I don't tolerate things I agree with. I have to disagree. So tolerating is we disagree, but we live, we live in harmony anyway. You know, I can pass you on the street and say hi. We can shop at the same grocery store, you see? And... Uh, and, and, and on and on. Uh, by the way, Blake doesn't agree with us on anything, so he's just here for the example now. <laughs> I want to give you a biblical illustration. Let's jump over to, to the book of Daniel. You probably know where I'm going. book of Daniel, it's Old Testament. <clears throat> In, uh, Daniel chapter 3. You guys know the story. I, I, I want to kind of put a, a, a kind of a a twist or a focus on it, look at it. Now what was going on at the early chapters of Daniel? Uh, Babylon had come in and captured Israel, taken them into captivity, killed a lot of them, and they took the sharpest and the brightest of the young men. And they took them and they said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to put them in our schools, and we're going to train them, and we're going we're to mold them, and uh, and we're going to use them in our leadership and in our government because these were some bright young men. Among who are people of names you've heard, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These were their Babylonian names. Uh, you've heard of Daniel, Daniel in the lion's den. These were, these were the ones that the king, when, he, when they stood before the king, the king said, boy, these guys are ten times better than all of the, the politicians that the king had surrounding him. 10 times. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine sending a few of our teenagers in our church to the White House? And President Trump looks at them and says, boy... These guys are ten times better than all my cabinet members. And just amazed. You know, next thing you know, you're getting calls, asking your parents, can they just stay here at the White House with us? And we say, please take them. No. Um, <laughs> so this is those, these are those kids. They are now promoted into a position of authority. They are, they are princes and presidents over regions and so forth. And you know the story. The, the Nebuchadnezzar gets kind of puffed up and says, I'm going to make a uh, statue of myself. And when the music plays and everything takes place, uh, you're going to bow down to it. And so, verse number 8, uh, Daniel 3, verse 8, uh, it says, uh, Wherefore, at the time certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews, they spake one saying to the king, king, Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that should hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, uh, psaltery, and disil- uh, dulcimer... And all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, worshipeth that he should cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And there are certain Jews. By the way, this is interesting. There are certain Jews. It wasn't all the Jews. These were certain Jews. There were a lot of other Jews. There were certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. These were leaders. Shadrach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. What took place was as the music begins to play, you can see everybody gathered around. They're in celebration. This is dedication day of this massive idol. The music starts to play, and you see, remember, uh, you guys ever go to uh, uh, sports games where the, where the stadium's packed and people start doing those waves? Right It kind of goes around. when someone doesn't participate, it just stands out. There are thousands of people, and you see that one person across, right? Imagine this wave of people bowing down, and then there's just three. I'm telling you that, I don't care how many people there were there that stood out. People saw that, right? But it's interesting, there were the Jews. there were the Jews that knew God. there were the Jews that feared God. There are the Jews that would say, we don't worship the Babylonian gods. We are still faithful to Jehovah God. And yet, in time of conflict, when time of testing came, they bowed down. And by the way, let me just say this. Things have not changed. Society still is saying, Christians, you need to bow down. As these things come along, it, you need to bow down. And you know, what they're saying right now, and, uh, and you know there may be differences of opinions on this, but they're saying in some places, they're saying, hey hey churches, it's time to bow down. It's time to bow down. You can worship when we say you can worship. You can worship how you worship. You know, a big part of those fines that church is having is because they sang in church. They, because they sang so they 're saying when you can worship they 're saying how you can worship right in this in this story it 's saying what you can worship and, and society is saying you need to bow down, you need to give in this is this is foolishness to stand like this you listen um, the 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 Martin Luther King uh, anniversary thing that took place on uh, 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 on d c on the mall there on d c um, was the name? Uh, um, Al Sharpton, the so-called reverend gave a big old speech. And there were, what, 50,000 people there? No one social distancing, and no one wearing a mask. And they don't condemn that, but they'll condemn a small gathering. You see what I'm saying, the the, the inconsistency? Of course, we all saw the news this last week. Uh, (laughs) Won't go down that road. I've heard it too much. I'm sick of it. Um, (laughs) But the, the hypocrisy, right? And one of the things that really stood out to me was, as we're doing this series is the fact that the first two amendments do not have any exception attached to them. By the way, if you are sick, stay home. Before this thing happened. If you're sick with something that's contagious, stay home. For the sake of others. You see? We, we, we still, we got to be smart about things. We still got to be careful about things. But, uh, but the reality is, I mean, honestly, the reality is, The government cannot, constitutionally speaking, cannot put any rules on the church. You don't have a freedom to go to the movie theater. I mean, I'm sorry, a right to go to the movie theater. You don't have a right even to go to Walmart. But we have a constitutionally protected right to assemble and to assemble peacefully. And so, in this circumstance here, these three men bowed down. Uh, did not bow down. They stayed standing. In verse thirteen. Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, the Democrats, in their rage and fury, the governors, in their rage and fury. You see, you see this going on. In their rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that ye serve, uh, that ye, uh, ye do not, excuse me, uh, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if ye be ready, and he gives them another chance. At what time you hear the sound of the, and he lists all the music, and, and, um, uh, uh, But uh, He says, but if ye worship not, ye shall be cast in the same hour into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God? By the way, when God's name and his authority is under attack, watch out. He's going to do something. He's going to step in. Who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? You see what happens? When government thinks they're more powerful than God. When leadership thinks they're more powerful than God. Who's that? God's going to deliver you. Watch how I will squish you like a bug. Verse 16: Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, "O oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. In other words, we're not worried about this thing. We're, we're we know exactly how we're going to answer this thing. If it be so, uh, you know. In other words, if you throw us in there." Our God, whom we serve, is able. Right? Who is that God that can do this? Our God is able. Our God can deliver us if he so chooses. Our God is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, and boy, is that a good verse. But if not, you see, the results are not what what makes our decision for us. I might go to jail. That doesn't change right and wrong. This might happen. I might be fined. I might be whatever the case may be. It doesn't change um, right and wrong. But if not, even if God does not deliver us and we burn. By the way, there have been a lot of martyrs. There have been a lot of martyrs. God didn't deliver them, humanly speaking. On this side of eternity, God didn't deliver them. They burned. They went all the way to the stake. There are going to be some more martyrs in the future. They're going to lose their heads. But if not, let it be known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. And you know the story, and the rest, as they say, is history. What a conviction. You know, I think as... uh, Things get tougher. What this this was, what we've seen this last year, is we've seen an exposure of some hearts. The hearts of those who who are in authority that don't have the right heart in authority. You understand, proper biblical authority is a servant. I kind of like some of the other countries that they call their president, they call them prime minister. I kind of like that term. Because in the title, what's a minister? You're the leading servant of the nation. Prime minister. That's right? They're they're we call them public what? Servants. They're supposed to serve. And what happens is they're starting to dictate, they're starting to come down, and and um, I think we even looked at it last week about those that, that have the desire, the heart to to better, you know, uh, oh yeah, some of the early ones about kings and stuff, when they're trying to better themselves, enrich themselves at the expense of the people, rather than trying to make decisions that enrich everybody, right? Um, there, there, there's a, there's a concept there. And so, uh, what I think is going to happen, we're, 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 we're trying to remember where I was going with this. As, as uh, this, this happened, you know, someone once said, a few people have said, never let a good crisis go to waste. And by the way, we've seen it with a lot of crises over the years, when things come up, they don't want to let anything go to waste on both sides of the aisle. And, uh, and so what happens with this crisis, it just so happened that it fit in a very nice, neat, packaged way that there was a, a great open door to persecute churches for those who had that in their heart. Now it may not have started out that way. I I really believe that our our governor, Alaska's governor, was not one to persecute churches. I, I hope not, right? I reached out to him several times. I said, why are you giving churches a number instead of a percentage? I mean, I think 10 people in this building was very well spaced out, Okay. (laughs) <laughs> and I was saying, give us a percentage like a restaurant, right? When it was at that time, but at some point he just says, you know what? It's time to open. We need to get our economy going. And I appreciate that. And I'm not trying to just talk about this issue because, but but, but this is a great illustration of some of the, of some of these things. So as things go on and there are more crises. By the way, persecution is not going to come when everything's going well. Persecution is going to come on something that sounds logical, that sounds reasonable, right? When they attack the first amendment, when they attack the second amendment, when they attack the third amendment, and they start going down the list, it's going to be on the back of something that, well this makes sense, obviously we should do this. Think about some of the laws that came about after the Oklahoma City bombing. After Waco, Texas. After 9-11. Things like the Patriot Act. What was that? That's a violation of our constitutional rights. Now it sounds good because well look what just happened. We need to be able to police ourselves, we need to be able to protect ourselves, and let me go all the way back to the beginning and say those that are willing to give up their liberty for safety are gonna lose both. You see? Just want to kind of get get our thinking a little. Turn over to Romans, please. Romans 13, it's been quoted a lot in recent days, so I want to look at it. Romans 13, and, uh, and you know, let's look at the backdrop real quick of Romans before we read it. First century Rome, the believing Jews, Right, they were under the Roman control, the Roman occupation. They, the Romans gave them permission to go to and fro. They could arrest them for no reason. They didn't have the rights as a Roman citizen. They were Jews. Okay? Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. The powers, there, means the idea of authority. For there is no power or authority but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Now, that, that's the authority. The authority is ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, or the authority, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation, or judgment. Verse 3. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is a minister of God to thee for good. You know, excuse me, everyone, you know, all 50 of our governors to be told, you're a minister to us for God for good. That's what the authority is ordained by God to be. See, not only do you have to look at the, the authority that was ordained, but look at the ordainer who created the authority. And what is his intent? And so, I'm going to break that down in just a minute. Um, uh, So they're not a territory... Where am I at? Oh, he's a minister to uh, thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is a minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth what? Evil. It is his job to execute wrath on those that do good no to those that do evil wherefore you must needs be subject not only for wrath but also for conscience sake for for this uh, for this cause pay ye tribute also this is why we pay taxes they are god's ministers attending continually upon this very thing continually the police they're, they don't have nine-to-five jobs, right? We talked about that earlier. And, you know, when an emergency comes in, they're, they're, they're ready. They, they need to be there, ready to respond, because this is this is why our tax dollars go to pay them, okay? That's what it's saying. Render, therefore, to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute, custom to whom custom, that's the respect that we ought to give them, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. All right, now let's go back. By the way, um... Uh, for those of you who don't know, I have a, uh, a podcast. I try to put out some information from uh, every couple of weeks. And I interviewed uh, Dr. Jerry Scheidbach, a pastor in Southern California. And uh, he wrote some, some good books on, on politics and things. And, and um, um, we talked about this chapter. We talked about, you know, what, what, what these things are talking about. And, and so let's go back. He says this. Um, i bring that up if you're interested in checking it out. Uh, unfeigned.life is the website. Uh, Unfeigned Faith Podcast. Um, let every soul be subject to the higher powers, the authorities. There is no power, but there's no authority but what God ordained. Okay, The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resist the ordinance of God, and, and, and so forth. Now get this, verse 3. They are ruler, uh, uh, for rulers are not a terror to good works but to evil. And there it is right there. The, here's the authority structure, God than the civil authority that he ordained. Now, they don't have to be believers. God ordained the authority, by the way, not the person. He ordained the, 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 the authority, the, the, that position. And so, uh, so when you look at this, when they stop becoming a terror to evil works and start becoming a terror to good works, they've stepped out from the authority from the structure that is there. You have an authority over your children as parents. God-given authority. All right? Does that mean you can abuse your children? At some point, you step out of that authority. Right? And, uh, and, and, uh, and, and so similarly, they've stepped out of God's authority for what, the way He ordained that office to be carried out. When that takes place... We will obey what? God rather than man. And that's why Peter with such boldness said that. They whipped them and beat them for preaching the gospel. Is preaching the gospel a good activity or a bad activity? The good activity. But they were a terror now to good works. They accused them this wonderful accusation. You filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. So, as a church, we've been salt and light. We've been preaching the gospel. We've been doing uh, our best and being a a good testimony community and so forth. And I'm hauled in in front of City Hall. And they said, this preacher and his church has filled the Fairbanks North Star Borough with their doctrine. This cannot be tolerated. So what do they do? They arrest me. They slap me with fines. They do all this stuff. Well, I guess we shouldn't preach the gospel. We shouldn't preach him or in his name, you know. By the way, if it went to that, I really think even churches that don't agree with us doctrinally would stand up, say, this isn't right. Well, wait a minute, shouldn't we submit to the authorities? When they've stepped out of that uh, God-ordained structure, if you would, they're no longer God's ministers. They're ministers uh, to, to terror does that make sense? I hope that's helpful. Because people, it's almost like uh, 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 just kind of like, you know, this, this verse kind of answers everything. We always have to do everything that they say. Well, you don't know history. Okay? <laughs> to say something like that. And those that are students of history see certain things that take place in our society, and it makes us very nervous whoa, wait a minute, this is looking familiar. Hey, we're not way over here. Let's face it, we're not really experiencing persecution. And by the way, on that note, let me just meddle for a second. All these people that are saying, the return of Christ is coming soon because look at how these churches are under persecution. Can I tell you something? There has not been a time where churches somewhere in the world have not been under persecution. In fact, the last hundred years have been worse than all the other years. But here in America, we're like, We love our religious freedom and nothing is going wrong. Remember just a few years ago when, was it 14, Christians had their heads chopped off? That was not an anomaly. This is happening. I don't know if you ever hear some of the stories of uh, the voice of the martyrs. This is happening, folks. This is current events. Now, I don't know how bad things will get before the Lord raptures us out here. But I'll tell you one thing we need to prepare our children to suffer for Christ's sake. Because I don't know how bad it's going to get. He did not say He's going to deliver us from persecution, He's going to deliver us from wrath to come. That's what He said. You know, I remember a few years ago when that one woman went not issue that uh, marriage certificate to a homosexual couple. Remember that? She got arrested for a few days. All these pastors on Facebook were saying, "Oh, Lord must be coming soon," and "Oh, even so, come, Lord Jesus." I'm like, "Really, guy? Really? If that's the case, boy, Lord really should have come around 1500, 1550s. There was a lot of Christians dying then. Take you one more verse. What should we do? What is our responsibility? And hopefully, this this sheds light on it. Remember our opening text, you know, by by the way, let me say this. There is a balance. We talk about wanting to have a good testimony in our community. We talk about these things. When a community and a society's values are so contrary to the word of God, it really doesn't matter what you do, they're not going to respect you. Now, we should do whatever we can to have a good testimony and to maintain that. And I'm not saying we shouldn't, but let me just say this. When persecution takes place, it's with the community's approval. Otherwise, it wouldn't happen. If it's not not the popular thing, guess what? Government's not going to do it because the people will not have it. But when it gets so to the place that, you know what? Christians, they're the problem. They're the problem. They'll have no no problem saying, yeah, lock them up. Lock them up. I don't care about the First Amendment. That's, That's archaic and outdated anyway. Lock them up. You see, there comes a point where persecution, real persecution, it's going to be with the approval of society. And if nothing else, the approval by their silence. Does that make sense? But with that, our testimonies, it will silence those ignorant gainsayers it will silence those unlearned right because as we talked about this morning you just can't stick mud to it (laughs) it just doesn't stick right first timothy 2 i exhort therefore that first of all what here's the priority supplications prayers intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men first of all god says be praying Be praying, people. Verse 2. Specifics. For kings. For all that are in authority. By the way, we still have several of those uh, political prayer sheets in the back. How do you pray for your leaders? How do you pray for these things? uh, And biblical principles on voting your values that are all in the back. I encourage you to grab one if you haven't got one. Pray for those in authority. Do you know who your representatives are? Do you know... Do you know the names taken before the throne of grace? Pray for all in authority, that we may lead quiet and peaceable, uh, a, a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Why do we pray for them? That they can stay out of our business and we can be good Christians. When they get out of control, we're not living quiet and peaceable lives because we still have to take a stand for Christ... But now we're going to do it with persecution. Now we're going to do it with heavy taxation. Now we're going to do it with, you can go down the list or whatever the case may be. So what do we do? We pray that they kind of stay out. Small government. (laughs) That we can live quiet and peaceable lives in all godliness and honesty. Verse 3. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. God says government staying out of our business is a good thing. Is that what it says? In verse 4, the sentence continues, Who will have all men to be saved? Hey, that settles the debate. God wants all men to be saved. Who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth? Why do we pray for authority? That government can see off our backs, that we can live our lives in godliness and share the gospel. Now, like in Peter and John's case, after they were beaten, what did they do? They didn't speak the name of Jesus anymore, right? They still went out and preached the gospel. But isn't it so much nicer to, as you're preaching the gospel, you're not doing this, looking over your back, every... I sure hope they don't find these gospel tracts in my glove box. Find out what I'm really up to. You see what I'm saying? Why do we want this out? So we can have the freedom to do what God has called us to do, and that is share the gospel. To do what God has called us to do, and that is to live godly lives do what God has called us to do, and that is to practice our faith according to the dictates of our conscience and the word of God without their interference. And I believe with all my heart, we've gotten where we are today, and it's going to keep getting worse, because we are not fulfilling this command as believers. Now, I don't know what your prayer closet looks like, but I will tell you what mine is. I do not do this enough. I don't. Now, maybe I'm just a really bad Christian. But I think there are a lot of Christians that are not doing this enough. We say things like, I believe in the power of prayer. Then why are we taking our complaint to Facebook instead of to the throne of grace? I think think I'm going to wrap up the series tonight. I have some other things to look at, but I I think I'm gonna wrap it up tonight.